Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What's up, America? We're under attack by three different countries, politically speaking, in a war that doesn't use bullets. It's a war that corrupts the minds of Americans to hate their own country and their countrymen. It attacks our information systems, people's health, and their courage. And they want to take out our infrastructure eventually. So this way we can live our lives in darkness, in fear, so they can further try and break the American spirit. But Americans are way more resilient than that. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and that's Valdez with an S, El Conservador. Some of you know me as Mr. Call Screener, the associate producer of The Mark Levin Show, and it's my pleasure to sit in for the great one, Mark Levin. Richie V., I want to thank you. People need to know you're not only a great call screener, you're even a better broadcaster. Now, you guys have heard me on this show uh, half a dozen times at least, and if it's your first time, I want to welcome you to The Mark Levin Show Liberty is one of those things that I've told you on this show that's making a comeback. I've told you that there's a godless society, a society that's ripe for cultural Marxism. And that not a single shot was fired on the four major battlefields. And the battlefields I'm talking about are all intellectual. Every single classroom from pre-K to the college campus, the media. Newsrooms all across America, we've seen Marxists infiltrate them, spewing lie after propagandistic lie on TV, in the newspapers. Every level of government, literally from like town hall to the halls of Congress, and of course, the family unit. The attack on the family structure has been unrelenting in my lifetime, and we're still seeing the results of that. Later, we're going to get into why that even matters. But first, I want to ask you, what is the virtue that we always talk of, that the founders spoke of, this virtue? What is the value or the purpose of virtue in our society? Where is it that we learn our values from? Well, I think many of us learn that stuff from our parents. And I'm going to make a quick aside. The other day, I was getting a café con leche, right? I like to drink uh, Spanish coffee, and there's a spot not too far from my house that I go to, and I get it. And I was grabbing a uh, diet soda from the refrigerator, and a girl comes up to me, and she says, very excitedly, by the way, and she says, wow, you have a great white voice. And I said, a great white voice? Hmm, that's interesting. And I said, well, thanks. And she's like, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I work in the radio. And she said, uh, the radio business, I should say. And she said, wow, I don't know how you turn it off and on like that. 
and I said, well, I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> but I guess when I'm joking around with my buddies, I can, you know, get into different types of uh, character. And the, the point that I think she was making was that, you know, you can clean up your diction and speak a little bit more appropriately as if you were broadcasting so that people can understand every word you're saying. And she was trying to compliment me on that. But I, I took it um, as a compliment. But what I didn't... Um, what I should say, I, I, it wasn't a, a slide or anything like that, but it made me realize where does that even come from, right? A, and I didn't follow this up with her. I didn't, you know, get into a whole conversation about this, but I did a podcast on this once where we talked about why people consider white to be a privilege and why I think it's not necessarily a privilege. It's more historical. It's legacy. And that was the point I was making in the podcast and really what kind of came to mind with her. For example, I believe that my dad, Juan Valdez, he was known to a lot of his friends as John because they couldn't say Juan. You know, some people would say Juan, like wonton soup, and he was cool with it. You know, they, if they couldn't, he didn't push the issue and say, is, is Juan. You got to say Juan. He, he didn't get into that. Now, today, you know, I'm a, a man. I'm not a little kid anymore. And lots of people know how to say Juan. There's a guy on TV, you know, Juan Williams. So, I mean, it's way more popularized than it was back when I was a kid. And a lot of people in Brooklyn just, it wasn't their thing. And I think that's something that he encountered most of his life and felt it to be, you know, he was never going to impose his will on other people. And named all of the boys the anglicized version of our name. For example, firstborn male, John, not Juan. My grandpa, Alberto. Next boy, Albert. Robert. Richard. Even Joe and Louis. So you look at those and those different stories on those. But my point was, it wasn't Jose and Luis and Ricardo and Roberto. And it was because my dad felt, when in Rome you do as the Romans do. Born Americans on Puerto Rico, but decided, we are going to do what we feel is right to assimilate. This isn't Puerto Rico anymore. Now we're in the Bronx or we're in Brooklyn. So I bring that up to say, that was always how it went. But that's not always the case anymore. And this isn't a soliloquy on immigration or anything like that, or even on assimilation. To me, the point was, she said, I had a great white voice. And <laughs> I thought to myself, why do we equate proper speech with white? And it's a conversation I had with a buddy of mine who called me one day. And he was like, you know, I was at the barbershop and somebody told him critically, because he's in a customer-facing role in the company he's in. They said... Bro, you sound white. And I mean, the guy is very fair-skinned. He's from Chile. But the point they were making was that he sounded like a, like a wasp. And they were trying to use it as a detriment. So I thought to myself, this literally sounds like an article that I read on Marxist.org where they created a situation where people with heritage, people that are part of a certain legacy, people that have history whether it be the Puritans or the Dutch or whoever else came, early settlers, 
to what is now today the United States. They came with a history. And they were all white people. This is a country that was made by white people. So it comes as no surprise to me that the people that started the first college were white people. People that started the first churches were white people. Now, of course, somebody, you know, one of the 1619 crowd, they'll come to me and they'll say, oh, but what about the Native American and the indigenous? What about them? Welcome to the party. No issue. My point is the people that built the foundation of this country, you look at the, the photos from and the paintings and the renderings from the Constitutional Convention, and it wasn't black and brown. This is a country that was founded by white European settlers. Got it. So it comes as no surprise, like I said, that those that went through the educational system in this country first, those that were here first, white people. So it's all about legacy. It's not about privilege. You know, it may be a privilege to have what they call old money or uh, parents, what we know now when you look at statistics. I sat on the board of a charter school for close to a decade. And one of the key indicators that we derived from data that was collected over the years was that if your parents went to college, you were more successful in school. And if your parents went to college, you were also more apt to graduating and finishing your own college degree. So what happens? Is it a privilege or is it just history? The fact that your grandfather worked hard, saved money, bought a house, saved up the money, sold the house, bought a bigger house, built some wealth, and passed it along, and passed it along, and passed it along. I don't think that it may be viewed as a privilege for your family, but it has nothing to do with your race. And that's why you see people coming into this country from other parts of the world, immigrants, and they come and they make the best of the situation here. Because sometimes when you're in Rome, you just have to do as the Romans do. So that's one of the points that I wanted to get to tonight. I also wanted to talk about how cultural Marxism and and Marxism, just generally speaking, is truly infiltrating so many layers of our culture, of our government, of our educational institutions. And that's just like a symptom. But now we can see what happens when those symptoms go untreated. It becomes a very difficult situation to manage, kind of like the situation that we're in, where we're having issues with courts doing what they have to do, with federal law enforcement doing what they have to do. We have issues actually identifying what is truth. That's a problem. In the philosophy world, they call that relativism. And this relativism is a big deal, this idealism, I should say. It's, it's crushing what was once known as truth. So I opened with saying that we're under attack by three countries. And that's just right now with cyber hacks and whatnot. Iran, Russia, China. But overall, we're under attack by an ideology, an idea that rejects God, where God is improvident, where you're not looking to a higher power for your next meal and thanking the Almighty for your providence or for their providence 
for your provision. But people are actually kneeling at the altar of big government. That's a big problem. So more on that when we return. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, and I am sitting in tonight for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit Levin for Hillsdale. Hillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. That's at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Just like Mark Levin at Mark Levin Show. You can get Mark Levin at Mark Levin Show on Parlor. And on Twitter, lamentably, or in Spanish we would say lamentablemente, Mark Levin will be leaving Facebook at the end of this year. So make sure you follow him on Parler, at Mark Levin Show. And while you're at it, just look for at Rich Valdez with an S. Now, we were talking about a few different things before the break, and I'm not going to continue on that diatribe with... uh, relation to the story that I was talking about, the article, rather. I read the article. I believe this is the article. Uh, Steve Walters, our old buddy from the Mark Levin Show, uh, just ran it into me during the break, and I really appreciate it. I believe it's a piece by Leslie Roberts, uh, the conference presentation called The Particular Tasks of National Minority Marxist-Leninists. It's from June of 1979. I think I might have read a newer version of this that was in rewritten in 1981. But the point of it is they refer to African-Americans in the, at this point of time, back in the 80s and late 70s, as the national minority and the Marxists. And this is from the website Marxists.org. Marxists.org. I'm not plugging that. I'm just saying if you want to read how these people think, you can see it here. And they basically devise a plan where they say you go to the national minority, which in this situation was African-Americans at the time, and you explain to them that they're superior and that they have been injured in a certain way because of the privilege that the white people that have come before them have had. And then you guilt the white people into feeling that they've done something negative. And I mean, this is an idea that's as old as me. And we're seeing it come to fruition. The reason why? Because these people don't stop. And this stuff is literally written, you know, with ink on a page. And this article just by itself, eight pages. So... I encourage you to look at this stuff because there's not eight pages telling people to be conservatives. Of course, Mark Levin's written great books and lots of people have written these great books. But the point that I'm making is they've been at this for 40 years. 
Uh, actually, they've been at it for a lot longer. And it's important to realize that. And I did a whole podcast on it. So if you want to check it out, you can. This is America with Rich Valdez. But I want to talk about what's going on with the election, with the current state of affairs, because lots of uh, different things happening right now. And people are feeling indecisive. What's happening? What are we going to do? The best way I could um, summarize what's going on, my summation would be this. We're in a fight, a boxing match, and they're trying to call it on points. And we're trying to say, no, 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 no. Half a, you're giving points when this guy was throwing illegal blows. Back of the head, below the belt, that stuff can't be counted. Come on. So we're arguing with the ref, and the ref's saying, well, you don't have standing. <laughs> you know. And this is, I laugh, but it's because of a sense of incredulity that I don't believe that this is actually what's happening in the United States of America. But with that being said, I looked at a piece the other day that was describing just this in uh, American Greatness uh, by Kimball. And the title was Betrayal of American Freedom. And he outlines in the piece how, you know, how there's all this evidence, all of everything, all of the facts that kind of just recently happened and what's going on in the recent weeks. And yet we're still here. And there was a few points that I thought, you know, really interesting. I'm going to share them with you. Hundreds of sworn affidavits attesting to mishandling of ballots, obstruction of GOP observers, and various forms of outright voter fraud. There are also the charges of the vote being manipulated by voting machines. Many stories about that, some affirming it, some rejecting it. Some people argue for it. Some people argue against it. President Trump is in the middle of a big fight or at the tail end of a big fight. So the next step is Congress. And I want to give you a little bit more on the background of this as we get into the next segment. But Congress is ultimately where this showdown is going to end. And we're only a couple of weeks away. So these dueling sets of electors and congressmen that are saying, you know what, there's a challenge and we're going to challenge this and we're going to take this all the way. And you know what I say? We absolutely have to take this all the way because who gives up when you're in round 12 of a title fight? Nobody. So we're going to go as far as we have to go. That's what we do in any fight, whether it's politics or a battle you're in with your family. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting 
promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. So President Ronald Reagan said that the best anti-poverty program was a job. And a caller once told me that the best stimulus package America could ever see is to open our economy. Because the free market is where it's at. Now, speaking of the free market, and by the way, I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. I'll sit here and talk all night and not even tell you who I am. Rich Valdez with an S. Some of you guys know me as Mr. Call Screener. I host a radio show on Mark's affiliate in New York City, the world-famous WABC. Go! And you can uh, check me out there whenever you want to at WABC. But I wanted to – I'm thinking ahead of myself, right? I want to get to a story. The story is I went out for lunch, right? I'm at an undisclosed bunker in New York, and I went out for lunch. And the place I was going to was a Spanish restaurant. It wasn't open. So I found a a familiar restaurant that I'd seen in Manhattan. And I said, oh, wow, I know that spot. They got one in the city right by Madison Square Garden where we used to broadcast 17 floors above Madison Square Garden. And I saw it. So I went in, Italian place, uh, Familia with a G. And Tony and his nephew and the rest of the guys, great guys, big shout out to them. They uh, great meatballs. And... It was great because we were having a conversation and they were familiar with the work that we do here in the radio station and across America, obviously, on these airwaves. And they were supporters and listeners, so I just wanted to say hello to them and thank them for a great lunch. It was really good. And uh, I got a salad for Mr. Producer and I haven't gotten the feedback yet. I don't know if he's eaten it or not, so we're going to have to hold his feet to the fire. But the meatballs were great. And the reason I bring up small business is not – you know, to say hi to my new friends at the Familia restaurant. But it was because small businesses are taking a really hard hit, a really, really hard hit. And this is problematic because if we go back to what I said about Reagan, Reagan says best anti-poverty programs a job. Yet those of us, like this family, that makes their own job by opening their own business – What are they going to do? I mean, thank God they're open. And, you know, we're super busy in White Plains today. But if you're not able to open, how do you make money? If your capacity is diminished, how do you make money? And these are the things that New Yorkers are facing all over the place. So I want to get into that in a little bit, specifically New York and the draconian things happening here. But now at the national level, we have... President Trump really stepping up for America, right? He really, uh, in my opinion, and he always has. I mean, this is part of the example I think that Trump sets for Americans everywhere, which is do it. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Do it. I've oftentimes given credit to President Trump because he's left his skyscraper penthouse on Fifth Avenue 
in Manhattan, New York City. And it's literally like a golden building, Trump Tower. And he left that and grabbed his supermodel wife and said, you know what, we're going to go to the swamp with his kid in tow and his other kids because honestly the whole family, it's a family affair. Even though they have to run the business, your whole family gets dragged into that lifestyle as we've seen with the malicious prosecutions from people in New York and the Southern District and the New York Attorney General, even the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. So you look at all that and you say, man, why? Why would anybody do it? And the reason he did it in the most simplistic way I can think of is when people, you know, like when you were a kid, schoolyard bully, whatever it was, and they're like, oh, your mother. You know, when you're a kid, you don't think too much. And you think, all right, my mother. Well, listen, I don't care how big you are, but that's one of those things you don't come back from. And you just start swinging, right? And you're like, what'd you say about my mama? And you go at it. And I think that's Trump. He's like, you know what? We're taking this fight. We're taking this fight. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how bad you are. I don't know how great you are breaking rules, creating rules that you know exactly how to bend. No, I'm, I'm going to stick up for what I know is right. And I give him tremendous credit for that. And yesterday was obviously one of the many times he's done that. But he articulated it so well where he put this COVID-19 quote-unquote relief bill on blast. And he told the Democrats, and, and summarily, he also said it to the Republicans that were all willing to vote for this, that the bill was a disgrace. And I think he's 100% right. And I want you to listen to President Trump last night. Cut one. Check this out. Throughout the summer, Democrats cruelly blocked COVID relief legislation in an effort to advance their extreme left-wing agenda and influence the election. Then, a few months ago, Congress started negotiations on a new package to get urgently needed help to the American people. It's taken forever. However, the bill they are now planning to send back to my desk is much different than anticipated. It really is a disgrace. For example, among the more than 5,000 pages in this bill, which nobody in Congress has read because of its length and complexity, it's called the COVID relief bill, but it has almost nothing to do with COVID. This bill contains $85.5 million for assistance to Cambodia, $134 million to Burma, $1.3 billion for Egypt and the Egyptian military, which will go out and buy almost exclusively Russian military equipment. So listen, I don't know how many of you vacation or summer in Cambodia. I know I never have. But, you know, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn that lives out in Jersey now. If you're one of those people that summers in Cambodia, then maybe, you know, you're, you're all for this. But me, I look at this and I go, what? Pero que pasa? What's going on here? How is it that we're bringing all this money to Cambodia? And I think the president's spot on. And this is what I think, in my opinion, was masterful, where he just says, you know what? I'm going to call these guys out because, hey, what do I got to lose? I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to stand up for the American people. It's what he knows how to do. He fights. That's what he does. And, and that's what you get. That's what I love about him, that he fights. He doesn't take the pomp and circumstance and value it any more than, than it ought to be valued. He says, ah, Whatever. Pomp and circumstance, you can keep your pomp and circumstance. It's great for what it's, for what it's worth. 
Like when they said, will you be able to be very presidential, sir? And he said, I'll be the most presidential president you've ever seen. I can be very presidential. And, and it was funny because he's ridiculing them. He's basically saying, who the hell cares? Who cares about being presidential? What really matters here is getting things done, the American people. And that's what El Trompito, that's what I like to call him, El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente, Donaldus Magnus, that is what he does. He gets stuff done. I want you to listen to him saying that 600 bucks is not nearly enough money for small businesses. Check this out. Despite all of this wasteful spending and much more, the $900 billion package provides hardworking taxpayers with only $600 each in relief payments. And not enough money is given to small businesses, and in particular restaurants, whose owners have suffered so grievously they were only given a deduction for others to use in business their restaurant for two years. This two-year period must be withdrawn, which will allow the owners to obtain financing and get their restaurants back in condition. Congress can terminate it at a much later date, but two years is not acceptable. It's not enough. I agree with him 100%. I have friends that have lost their shirts with businesses in New York City, restaurant businesses that are just not available anymore. One of my radio colleagues earlier today, Sid Rosenberg, I heard him uh, talking about how he pays all this money to live in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. And he's like, what do I do that for? Why would I pay all this money to live in Manhattan? I do it because there's this restaurant that I like and that restaurant that I like and I can go to this and I can do that. Everything's right here. All the best of everything right here, New York City, it's right here. And he said, now nothing's right here. I'm still paying that huge rent to live here for what? And I think he's got a point. People are losing their shirts. People are losing their livelihoods. Some kids can go to school. Some kids can't. Many kids don't assimilate well to this online learning thing. And I don't want to beat up everybody on this COVID-19 stuff because, I mean, it just it seems to always circle back no matter what you complain about, right? You get on the radio, you start your rant, and it always comes back to COVID one way or another because it's just been so uh, poorly handled, in my opinion, by the states, at least the states that I'm in, Jersey and New York. But bottom line here is small business owners are, are getting beat up on this. And ultimately, the small business owner is he who employs most people in America or she who employs most people in America. Most people don't work for a Fortune 10 company. Most people work for a mom and pop or a mid-size or small, medium, or even large-sized business. That's not a huge big box retailer or a Fortune 10 company, not Amazon, not Walmart. And we are drowning that out and crushing people and we are destroying the free market. And it's becoming eerily reminiscent when the government starts bringing money in and we're trying to bail this out and do that and do that. It really reminds me of how China's economy kind of grew and flourished where they take 51% of whatever they feel like taking. And they run industry and they run you. So keep it locked right there. We're going to get into that and a little bit more. I want to hear all of your phone calls. Our phone number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811 if you're a lib and you want to go at it with me. I am Rich Valdez with an S, and I am sitting in for the great. Mark Lovin.
As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, 877-381-3811 is our phone number. And we've talked about a bunch of things, and I I was talking about an article I was reading before, and I put it aside, and I'm going to get back to it, uh, about the election and all of that, because I want to get into more of that. But uh, the current thread that we're on is Trump calling out Congress. He told him the bill is a disgrace. He said $600 is not enough. I'm not the best Trump impersonator, but it kind of adds a little color. And you just heard that audio, so I'm not going to play it again. But I have another one that I'm going to play for you. And the president just went out there and he did what he does. And this is why, again, and I am going to toot his horn just a little bit because I think this is what we need people to do to to take a stand in politics to say, hey, you know what? This is my opinion. I truly do feel this way. This is what I'm going to do. And he's not, you know, he could totally stay home and be a lame duck president and just say, hey, you know, figure it out. Biden, you know, if you guys think Biden won, great. If I don't get this challenge uh, on January 6th, if that doesn't fly right, you could do it with him. And in effect, that's what he said. But he said it so much better because, you know, he said, uh, I might be the one that you have to deal with. So I think it's terrific uh, that he uses veto pen on a separate issue on the defense bill because of the pork that was in it and the way that they've done it. And I think it really draws attention to what's happening in Washington, what's happening in Congress specifically, and what's happening in the governance of our country at the federal level where people, more and more people are waking up realizing, you know what? I really am going through a difficult time right now because of X, Y, and Z. Something coronavirus related, whether it's your business being crushed by coronavirus, customers not being able to do what they have to do. Everybody's got something to do. The coronavirus is screwing people left and right, in particular small businesses. To me, it seems like such an effective way for the opposition, the oppressor, to stifle speech or even congregation, right? You have the Minutemen back in the days that congregated at restaurants and, and, you know, local watering holes and whatever, wherever people met, church. And guess, those are the places they don't want you to go. You can't go to bars. You can't go to church. There's church. Oh, the singing spreads COVID. What about the supermarket? No, 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 that's fine. You know, what about, it, it's, it's just bizarre. 
And to me, it's because there is strength in unity and they're not allowing unity. But before I go into that, I want you to hear what Trump said, because like I told you before, I'll sit here and talk all night. Trump said that this bill needs to be amended because people need at least a couple of grand to pay their bills, not 600 bucks. Listen to this. Congress found plenty of money for foreign countries, lobbyists and special interests while sending the bare minimum to the American people who need it. It wasn't their fault. It was China's fault, not their fault. I am asking Congress to amend this bill and increase the ridiculously low $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for a couple. I'm also asking Congress to immediately get rid of the wasteful and unnecessary items from this legislation and to send me a suitable bill or else the next administration will have to deliver a COVID relief package and maybe that administration will be me and we will get it done. Bravo, Mr. President. That's the type of in-your-faceness the word I just made up, I think. That type of in-your-faceness and stick to is exactly what we need in the White House. And I can't believe that America is not up in arms the way so many – lots of Americans are up in arms. And we're, like I said, we're going to get back to the election. But this is what we need. This is exactly what we need to fight the pork barrel spending, the, the government first crowd – or as Mark uh, has coined the hate America first crowd, which is really the most dangerous type, right? Because those are the ones that are looking to usurp the republic entirely. Like whatever whatever good and whatever power America had, they want to take it and ruin it. But And this is how they do it. They want, they want to strangle you. Not physically, obviously, literally. Bleed you dry. So you have no choice but to come with your hand out. And that's not the right way to do business. It really isn't. Big corporations, when you meet somebody that works in one of these big corporations, most of them tell you, most will tell you, oh, no, they're really good. I get three weeks vacation. I get this. I get that. Oh, no, when I had my kid, they let me do this and they let me do that. Why? Big companies, A, they've made enough money to be able to to handle that, but B, they figured out that the only way you stay in business and you make money is with good people. Good people are hard to come by. So you want to take care of your people. And that's something I think Trump understands. I went to a party at Trump Tower once and I spoke with some of the, you know, the coat check person, the, the wait staff, uh, many of them black and brown, by the way, and white. And they shared such positive stuff about the Trump Organization. And they were very pleasant people, very well-trained, really, really very affable people. They liked their job because it's about taking care of people. And I think Trump gets that and he brings that to his work in the White House. So it's critically important for us as Americans to elect people that at least understand we've got to watch out for our fellow Americans. If we won't look out for America, who will? Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for Mark Levin, the great one. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. 
now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, welcome back. It's hour two of the Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. I am the host of This Is America. It's a podcast that we record out of WABC Radio in New York City, where I also do the show live, as well as on their Long Island station. I host a show as well every day, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. You can check it out if you get a chance. Our phone number, 1-877-381-3811. Now, and that's Rich Valdez with an S, by the way. I've seen that some of you guys are... Chiming in on social media, I love the conversation. Thank you for your comments. God bless you all. You're a bunch of patriots. We talked about a few things already, and I want to get back into those. We're going to get into those, and we're going to get into your calls as well. I see the calls are coming in, and that's great. I want to speak with you all. There's a few more things that I wanted to continue to build on because we talked about Trump blasting the coronavirus bill as a disgrace. Then he said 600 bucks is not enough for a small business. And I think he's right. And also saying that for two years and they need more time and he stuck up for small business owners. Then he said, get it done. Because if you don't want to get it done with me and I end up being the guy that's still around, uh uh-oh, you're going to have to deal with me again. And this is part of the bravado and the, uh, the hubris that I appreciate that the president brings to the table for small business owners. For even for big business, I mean, whatever it is, just for the free market in general, we need to have a free market in order to be successful. Now, I know some people are like, no, there's plenty of countries, no free market there. You're saying they're not successful? Well, I'm going to say they're not economically successful. To me, the ability for one to go and earn money freely without having to share it with the government, and of course, there are taxes. They'll be in your pocket. And that's kind of how I ended up here, right? Uh, And on a quick aside, you know, when I was 16 years old, I messed around with my buddies drawing designs in their hair with a pair of uh, clippers, hair clippers. And one of them said, hey, can you just give me a haircut? And I was like, I don't know how to do that, but I tried it. I was like, you know what? I've seen a barber do it a million times. And I did it and I was like, wow, it was pretty cool. And before you knew it, I had a line of people coming to my dad's apartment in Jersey while I was in high school and they wanted haircuts. And that literally morphed into a business because somebody with more vision than me said, you know what, little bro, I'm going to hook you up and laid out the money for me to purchase a a salon that was going out of business. And while I was still in high school, I was going to cosmetology school and had to switch up my schedule and go to night school and everything. It was a really interesting thing, 16, 17. By the time I was 18, I was full swing in my barber business and – I did okay. I can't, you know, I'm not going to lie. As a young guy, I made I made uh, a good amount of money. I didn't really have any bills. And one thing that I learned was, you know what? I like making my own money and I don't like having to pay tax. Now, of course, you have to pay tax. It's part of, you know, living in the society that we live in. But this is why we also want to elect people that have an aversion to taxes and have an even more serious aversion to paying higher levels of taxes or higher rates of taxes or tax on more things. So that being said, rolling back regulations for businesses so that they can do more and they have more liberty, more liberty for people, less control from the government, 
is an ideal situation for me. It really is. And I think it's, it is for most people. Because again, going circling back, that liberty that I had for I said, hey, I want to buy a new pair of sneakers and they're 150 bucks. I know I could just cut more hair and stay later and between tips and whatever and blah, 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 boom, new sneakers. Because it was a thing that I could do. Nobody was stopping it. It was like there was a, a faucet. I could turn it on and turn it off. And there were many days I didn't want to turn it off and I would work really late and do lots of hours. In fact, I still do that now in radio. It's just the work ethic that I've developed. If there's an opportunity, I'm going to jump on it as long as I can. As long as God's given me breath and health, I'm going for it. So I say all of that to say that we can't have regulations that are going to put a stranglehold on small businesses across America. And I think it's, uh, it's very unfortunate. You know, when, like I said, I grew up in Brooklyn until I was 12. Then we moved across the river to Jersey. And it, it's very, very sad state of affairs to see what's happened to New York, in particular New York City, where I work every single day and I see it with my own eyes. Things are bad and they seem to be getting worse. They don't seem to be getting better. And I think it's, it's symptomatic of the things that we see because we have these transplants, or at least in New York City, the current mayor, I call him Bill El Bobo de Blasio. Bill El Bobo de Blasio, whose real name is Warren Wilhelm, and he changed that name in my opinion. He changed his name, his birth name, to Bill de Blasio. He claims for familial reasons, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but I would say that because of the late stage of the game where he changed his name, it likely had to do with his support for the communists in Nicaragua when he was there supporting Daniel Ortega and the Sandinistas and working with allied groups of theirs. And that's not me throwing shade or smearing him. That's like legit. And you can look that up. And I like to bring it up every now and again because whenever I do, people love to, what is the term that we use now? Fact check. People love to fact check that. And they always find out, wow, it's true. And it's also true that he's not a New Yorker. So you have this Marxist sympathizer, communist sympathizer, Bill El Bobo de Blasio, Warren Wilhelm, from the Sandinistas. And he uh, was born in Boston. He's a Massachusetts liberal, just like the governor of my state, New Jersey, another Massachusetts liberal. And that's, it seems to me that's where they cranked them out. You know, even AOC who was born in the Bronx, went to Westchester, and then uh, ended up in Boston, where they made her into a Massachusetts liberal. It seems to me that's their uh, cycle. And this is where you get a real left-winger. So it doesn't shock me when I hear that he's saying, we're going to have sheriff's deputies go to the home or the hotel of every single traveler coming in from the UK. And why? Because they've discovered there is a new strand now, I saw some conspiracy stuff. People love to send that stuff to me, and I just fight it off like the plague. And all they can do is they always have the same line. Oh, it's always a conspiracy theory until it becomes a conspiracy fact. The problem is conspiracy people don't believe in facts. They create their own truth. So as they're creating their own truth, they live in this world of idealism. Uh, you know, they, they read the tea leaves 
and it doesn't there's no way they can prove it it's unprovable so it's pretty much yeah they can you know they go from uh, i'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole but it's it's just funny in my opinion uh, funny to say the least but this is fact i saw him say it and it's not a deep fake video bill el bobo de blasio is saying that they want to adopt this policy because they believe in the strong arm of the government just like they do in vermont where bernie sanders is from some people are so left-wing it becomes contagious, and it rubs off on people. And before you know it, you have them saying things like, oh, we want the military, we want this massive government. They want to be under the control and the spell of the government. Insanity. No thank you, no bueno. Para me, no. I don't want that. But let me allow you to hear what I heard from Bill El Bobo de Blasio. Check this out. But specifically for folks coming in from the U.K., given that particular concern, we are going to have sheriff's deputies go to the home or the hotel of every single traveler coming in from the U.K. So when they arrive at the airport, they're going to have to fill out the form notifying us that they are coming into New York City. Uh, We're going to provide them with that commissioner's order. But then there's going to be a follow-up direct home visit or hotel visit from the sheriff's deputy to confirm that they are following the quarantine. Or if they are not, they will be penalized. So they're going to be penalized. Now, this is, again, this is him showing his true colors. It's like he's walking down 42nd Street, Times Square. He's wearing a long trench coat, and he just starts flashing you. Blah! I'm a Marxist. I believe in government control. We will run up in your house if you do not follow our rules. Now, again, some of this stuff is obviously warranted under the law in some very extreme situations. And they've used COVID-19 and what I was saying before about the conspiracy stuff. Some of the stuff they've floated out there is they've skipped COVID-20 and they're now at COVID-21. So they're saying that this new strain may become COVID-21 and it may, in fact, become that. So that'll be one of those examples of conspiracy theory becoming conspiracy fact. However... The point of it all is that Bill El Bobo de Blasio does not care to use his government power t- for good, right? He always uses it in the name of separation, in the name of you are this and we are that and this group against that group and we're going to do this in the name of protecting you. Everything is doom and gloom. Everything is the negative side of everything. It's never, hey, we're going to use the sheriff's deputies to make sure that we can maintain crowds so that we can have the most robust New Year's Eve celebration we've ever had with social distancing. It's going to be outdoor. We're going to show the world what New York City can do in the time of coronavirus where this city never sleeps. Nope. That's not what they say because they don't believe in hope. Marxists, Leninists, whatever you want to call them, crazy lefties. They don't believe in hope. They don't believe in America. They don't believe in so many of the things that you and I espouse. And if you're listening and you disagree, that's fine. If you want to espouse the government, if you want to espouse and really be beholden to the idea that we should all work hard and then kick back to the people who don't work hard, then that's on you. But there isn't a society around that works that way. It's it's just not that way. They don't work. They're not sustainable. Now, Of course, his arch nemesis, his arch nemesis, Essential Andy. Now, Essential Andy is the name I gave him because Governor Andrew Cuomo made himself an essential employee, obviously, as governor. 
and started to identify who other essential employees were during his time where he oversaw this 11.30 a.m. briefing every single day during the time of coronavirus, during the peak when it was at its highest. Every day, this 11.30 briefing, and he would just give these stories. And I always do my impression. It's not a great impression, but I have fun doing it because I find him to be a, a fun guy to, uh, to joke around with, if, if you will, if that's one way of putting it. But when he would say things like, my mother makes great meatballs, my brother, and he would just get into these things. And I thought, this guy sounds like he's doing a, a podcast about his family not giving a press briefing as governor. So that's why I nicknamed him Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. Now, Essential Andy, he says that they are going to use whatever they have to use to make sure that people are tested and that they strong arm the companies, the airline companies, and we're going to get into that. But my thinking when I heard him say these words was, why on earth do you continue this line that the virus came from Europe, not from China. And it really makes me wonder, but listen to what Essential Andy had to say. Right now, this variant in the UK is getting on a plane and flying to JFK. This is what happened in the spring. How many times in life do you have to make the same mistake before you learn? Right now, Essential Andy is flying on a plane, making mistakes, selling books, leadership when he doesn't lead anything. He oversaw the biggest mass carnage of old people in nursing homes that anybody's ever seen. More people have died in New York. Forget old people in nursing homes. And I should say senior citizens, excuse me. But more people died in New York than anywhere else. He is the leader in the death and carnage of the coronavirus, yet people still put a microphone and a camera in this guy's face. All right, that's fine. Do that if you want. But know who you're talking to. This guy is the leader, the leader when it comes to dead people. I don't think that's the guy I want to follow. I want to follow the guy who's overseen the most people recovering and the least amount of deaths. Anyway, keep it locked right there. Your call's coming up, 1-877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I'm Rich Valdez, in for the great one. Mark Levin. Did you know your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile? Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't even have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk has exactly the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half. You definitely don't have to sacrifice customer service. Their team is based right here in the U.S. and are some of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. So don't wait anymore. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. No, not even a penny. So go to puretalkusa.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll also save 50% off your first month. Folks, this is the best. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all social media. Definitely uh, check me out. I'm looking at the comments during the break. I appreciate the support. Thumbs up. 
Our telephone number is one 381 3811 And I am having the honor and pleasure of sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. And I want to get to your call, so let's go to Florida. Let's go to caller three. Valerie, what's on your mind? Hello. Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. So I um, just wanted to really speak to what you were talking about at the beginning of Mm -hmm. the show. Um, My dad uh, was Puerto Rican. He um, joined the Navy when he turned 18. Um, He came to the United States and um, ensured that his children assimilated into uh, being American. He loved this country more than um, any other person. He was a great patriot and um, just made sure that we knew what our history was and how important it was. And even though um, people made fun of his accent, he tried really hard um, just to let people know that he um, loved this country and he was here for that reason. And so I just wanted to share that with you. I appreciate that. It's uh, something that I can say it's very true for most Puerto Ricans. And a lot of people don't realize it, but obviously Puerto Rico is a part of America. And so we're born into American citizenship. We don't know allegiance to another country. We always pledge allegiance to the American flag. And that's one of those things where it's, you know, here's a fun fact for you. Every single war since the Civil War And there's even uh, some historical data that goes straight back to the revolution. But since the Civil War, Hispanics have fought in every single war on behalf of the United States. And they are a significant part of the United States military. So I thank you, Valerie, for your dad, for his service, and I wish you a Merry Christmas. And what's interesting about that is patriotism is such a big part. I mean, as a kid, if I didn't stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance, my mother would smack me. I mean, that's just how it was. And just, mira, nene, and bah, right in the back of the head. They call that a cocotazo in Spanish. But anyway, we're going to get to all of that and more when we come back. 877-381-3811, your calls, and what's going on with this election. Keep it locked right there. Rich Valdez in for the break. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Ever notice how you come across somebody once in a while 
that you shouldn't have messed with? That's Mark. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one. I am Mr. Call Screener here, the associate producer, Mark Levin Show. Not to be confused with... Mr. Producer, Mr. Producer is, as uh, my buddy Curtis Lee would say, he's my Gumbadi Cheech, the executive producer of the Mark Levin Show, Rich Cementa, different rich, awesome guy. And he's uh, flying the plane, as we say in the radio business. He's the quiet one. So if you ever hear me talking to him, uh, or Mark, obviously, <laughs> talking to him and him not responding, that's because that's what Mr. Producer does. I talk a lot. He talks nothing, nada. But anyway, we're back, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, and... Mark, of course, is taking time off for the end of the year. He takes off the last two weeks of every year to recharge his batteries, enjoy himself. That's really the main vacation time that he takes. So I wish him and his family well. And I wanted to continue on this thread that we were on earlier with respect to the election. And two days ago, Attorney General Barr, who's now dearly departed, not from this earth, but from the Department of Justice, made some remarks at an event commemorating the memorial of those that have passed from the Lockerbie, Scotland um, plane tragedy attack, bombing, all that. And this isn't about that. He made some comments with respect to a question that was asked, and he acknowledged that there's fraud. And you might have heard this clip, but I wanted to play it because I think it sets up what we're going to talk about in this segment. And also I think it it's him, you know, it's from the horse's mouth. Because obviously there's a lot of contention when it comes to bar. Why aren't people in jail? What's going on? What happened to justice? Two-tier justice system. So I want you to hear what Attorney General Barr had to say with respect to election fraud. Check this out. I've already commented on uh, fraud. Let me just say that, you know, there are fraud in, in, unfortunately, in most elections. I think we're too tolerant of it, and I'm sure there was fraud in this election. There's fraud in most elections. And there was probably fraud in this election, or I'm sure there was fraud in this election, and unfortunately, we're too tolerant of it. I think that was so uh, well stated. I'm not saying I agree, disagree with him personally, whatever. I'm just saying I do think that there is so much apathy that has come out of uh, our being accustomed to the swamp, being accustomed to the corruption, accepting the corruption as part and parcel of the business. One of my bros, my big brother Joe, he, we, we always go at it, arguing. He, uh, he loves to watch the conspiracy stuff, and a lot of it's, you know, very entertaining. But we go and we have these arguments, and I tell him, look, I got to stick with the facts. I, I stick with the real deal. You know, you can surmise about a lot of things. But one of those things that we get into is, you know, I tell him, look, that's business as usual in this business. And he looks at me and he's like, well, it shouldn't be, Richie. It shouldn't be that way. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I do need to check myself. I've become so jaded having, you know, spent time in a state house. I worked in Trenton for uh, the Republican governor of New Jersey for several years. And you, you learn about about how a swamp, a statewide swamp works. You know, New Jersey's a blue state. So it's it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how many Republicans you put in the state house, <laughs> there's always going to be uh, a whole lot more Democrats. And they run the show because they're the career professional employees that don't go anywhere, no matter who's in charge. They are vis-a-vis the, the 
administrative state, the bureaucracy, or what we call today the deep state. That's them. And of course, the deep state idea gets a little deeper. The point with all of this is that we, I think, people that are involved, we become apathetic. And that's why you hear so many people going, look, he lost. Time to move on. And I'm talking about Republicans that are saying that. You know, like, that's enough. Stop embarrassing yourself. Enough, enough. Yeah, basta. No, 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 no. The reason we fight is because we have to hold on to what we believe. And like, and I'm checking myself here publicly, not on this issue, but on many others with respect to the tolerated corruption. You know, so I look at a guy like Bill Barr. You know, I worked in, in the government when I was in my 30s. And I'm just two years into my 40s. But Bill Barr has done two careers, two stints as attorney general. He knows the swamp. So it makes sense to me. I'm not condoning it, but it makes sense to me. Anybody who spent that much time in the swamp is going to kind of get used to swampy behavior. And this is the problem, I think, that we have. This is why term limits are so important. This is why the Convention of States is even more important to get that into play. But all of that is, you know, how do we work on it moving forward? Right now, we got a problem on our hands. We have an election that has been contested. And I was reading to you from that piece in American Greatness. And I want to pick up where I left off because I thought it was this piece of, of, uh, of the column was very interesting to me. And it's about a challenge in Congress with a GOP set of electors battling against the Democrat appointed slate of candidates or electors. And it's happened before in a minor way in 1960 and in a full-blown challenge in 1876 known as the Compromise of 1877 where we saw Democrats give the election to the Republican Rutherford B. Hayes by one electoral vote in exchange for ending or starting the beginning to end the Reconstruction Era. And the last time I joined you on this program, we did a whole bunch of Rutherford B. Hayes and explained the whole story and how, you know, the, the country went into interregnum. And it was it was a really interesting story, very fascinating piece of history, in my opinion. And the great, I think the great granddaughter or the granddaughter of Rutherford B. Hayes called in, who happens to be a sitting councilwoman in California. So that was really nice. Shout out to her. But that happened. That was history. So I'll continue. Maybe the end of Reconstruction as we know it or the end of identity politics would be worth a Biden and Harris administration. Interesting, interesting uh, offer, but that's not the offer. On the contrary, Sleepy Joe promises an administration that is all race all the time. And when it's not about climate change, mask mandates or redistributive justice, quote unquote. And of course, Kamala Harris, the president in waiting, is what Joe promises. The living instantation of all that is woke, grasping, and cynical. Congress is just too sclerotic for anything really dramatic to happen. It seems pretty clear that the courts above the Supreme Court remain terrified of being called mean names by reporters at the New York Times. The immaculate deception six key dimensions of election irregularities, the 36-page report on voter fraud on this election that was just published by Peter Navarro, 
Navarro's the director of the president's Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy. He oversaw the report in his capacity as a private citizen. was useful. It was a one-stop summary of allegations of voter fraud and manipulation. Navarro and his team looked at the key battleground states of Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Nevada, and Georgia. The six dimensions of irregularity they investigated were outright voter fraud, which they found in nearly all of the states. Ballot mishandling, contestable process fouls, equal protection clause violations, voting machine irregularities, and significant statistical anomalies. No one's going to be surprised by the conclusion. Quote, the observed patterns of election irregularities that the report charges are so consistent across six battleground states that they suggest a coordinated strategy to, if not steal the election outright, strategically game the system. And that's uh, Roger Kimball in the American Greatness piece. I thought that was really well said, and I read this subsequently after I had interviewed Peter Navarro on my show on WABC, This Is America. And you could check out that interview because I thought it was um, really informative. And at one point we joked around about Fang Fang and all that crazy stuff because he's known as the China trade hawk. But focusing on the election, to me, it's, it's very clearly stated it's clearly available through that report and many others because that report's just based on lawsuits and information pulled from a thousand more than a thousand affidavits etc etc videos publicly available information this the fact that it's not getting more traction is one of those things where it's like hmm why why isn't it getting more traction And I think this is what we have to watch out for. And the reason, I'll tell you why. It's because of what I just talked about. People are apathetic. They're like, look, people steal in every election. Come on. Suck it up, buttercup. It's all right. And we have a different person now, somebody who's not from the swamp that says, hold on a second. You may be used to ripping everybody off. Maybe when you go to the store, they give you the wrong change and they pocket the rest. But I'm I'm not cut from that cloth. I want all my change. Punto y final. Bottom line. Period, the end. So I think Washington's saying, man, this guy doesn't give up. And I think America, at least the patriots that voted for Trump, we're saying, thank God he keeps fighting for America. Thank God he's still there doing what we need him to do. And now I think it's our time, right, that we have to make sure that we band together and we don't lose the momentum that the president has started. So I want to get to some of your calls, uh, sneak in one, at least before we get to the break, 877-381-3811. And let us see. Let's go to uh, caller four, Jan, Lugoff, South Carolina. Hi, Rich. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Um, I have two points, so I'll be very quick. Sure. Um, I don't understand. Pardon me. I don't understand why all the people that were guilty in 2016 of fraudulently uh, trying to steal the election for Hillary and were not successful. Why all those people were always? Yeah, I think I get what you're saying. So. Why is it that we identified all these people? You know, James Comey, Hillary Clinton, her emails. All this stuff was put out there. People were making rushed judgments. All sorts of craziness was going on, and yet nada. Nothing happens. 
I think it's exactly what I'm talking about. You have a ruling class of people that literally affects both parties, people that make their living, their entire subsistence, excuse me, comes from skimming money off the top of our tax dollars, your tax dollars, my tax dollars. They live off of us. In fact, they're like leeches. Is that where leeches live? Do they live in a swamp? Because that's what most politicians are like, in my opinion. You should only be allowed to be a leech for a little while. They're like high-paid welfare recipients. And what ends up happening is they say, you know what? This guy's messing with our flow. It's no different than the drug dealer on the corner who's like, oh, you know what? These people are getting in our way. What are they doing? People you know, interfere with their, their business, their drug business. They start taking people out. They call the cops. They rat on, oh, this guy over here because they want more business, more corners, more blocks. And that's what we see in the swamp. Trump has messed their flow up. They're not making money like they used to. They don't have the power they used to. It's interesting now that they, you know, they think, oh, this thing is over? Great. McConnell can't wait to jump back into bed with Chuck Schumer. Isn't that a sad state of affairs? And they're going to say, you know, it's about coming together. It's about reaching across the aisle. It's about bipartisanship. And people are going to criticize me and say, well, no, Rich, come on. You're being a hyperpartisan. And I say, no, screw the Republican Party. This isn't about the Republican Party. This is about America. It's about doing the right thing by people. And that's the problem. We started off talking about virtue. Where is the virtue? There's no virtue in the swamp. There's no virtue in all of these things. Now, there is virtue in reaching across the aisle. We don't have to hate the Democrats. But we also don't have to embrace corruption. And that is where we have to land on this. More of that when we get back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and I am honored to be here on behalf of the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Did you know your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile? Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't even have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk has exactly the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half. You definitely don't have to sacrifice customer service. Their team is based right here in the U.S. and are some of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. So don't wait anymore. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. No, not even a penny. So go to puretalkusa.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll also save 50% off your first month. Folks, this is the best. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Some of you guys know me as your liberty-loving Latino amigo on my program, and others of you know me from this program as Mr. Call Screener. And with that being said, we're going to get to some calls. But first, some breaking news, at least breaking from a little while ago. Uh, Trump pardons Charles Kushner, Paul Manafort, and Roger Stone. So not only does Roger Stone have a commuted sentence, he is now pardoned. That means it never happened. Paul Manafort, good for him. He looked really, really in rough shape the last time I saw him. So good for him. Glad he gets to go home. Because, again, these guys are in jail. Why? Because they were part of Trump world. 
Now you're going to say, oh, Rich, come on. It's one thing to be political, but it's another thing to uh, to say that that you know what they didn't do was a crime. Yeah, what they didn't do was a crime is as much as a crime. The guy was a lobbyist and didn't do his foreign registration. Everybody knew he was a lobbyist. Manafort and Stone? Come on. Really? That's like saying, yeah, oh, this guy committed a crime. What did he do? He didn't renew his license on time. Oh, come on. Really? I- I'm not buying that one. Um, that's that one. It was incredibly excessive. This really was the equivalent of a political prosecution. These guys were literally American political prisoners. I hope to God that they make millions and millions of dollars on their next book to show that the free market economy is still alive and well in America, telling their story so that future generations don't have to go through what they went through. And excuse me, as well as Charles Kushner, I think I I mentioned that already, who uh, is, I believe, the dad of Jared Kushner. So congratulations to all. Now, we talked about several things. And one of the things I wanted to say was, Yes, I became jaded working in the administration of uh, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and not because of him in any way. He's actually somebody that I like. I know despite my disagreements with some of his political positions as of late, I think um, he's a decent human being. The The issue was really the Democrats. The Democrats were – again, they, they play ball a different way, and I hate to lump them all in the same way because I have a lot of friends, and I have no problem with so many different Democrats – the radical fringe is part of it. And then there's the the hardcore adherence to swampness, if that's a thing. People that will use the government to get what they want. Kind of like the way Obama ran his whole administration. When people do that type of thing and they come at you using the government power, that's wrong. But sometimes that's the dirty side of politics. And I think we've seen that over and over in the Trump administration. If it's ever been more evident... Um, I can't think of a time. I can't think of a time that it's been as evident as it has been now. But that being said, the phone number here, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We got time for one call. I'm going to let it be the dealer's choice, and that will be Steve Walters. You pick one, I talk. All right, Michael, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Rich? I think you're doing a great job. You're falling right behind Russia and Levin in my world as far as talk radio goes. Oh, wow. Thank you. I have a strong Hispanic voice out there. Um, but I had a couple of ideas and for executive orders, and if you like them, I'm wondering if you could get them straight to El Trumpito or at least to well, Mark. you got 10 seconds. Shoot one out quick. Okay. Um, uh, all businesses should be treated the same in regards to small business and large business. If he writes an executive order legally deeming them to be I think I get what same. you're saying. In terms of regulation, let's be fair with everybody. No, no breaks for the big guys and help out the small guys. Rich Valdez in for the great one. Keep it locked right there. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
All right, America, welcome back. It's hour three of the Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez. Some of you guys know me as Mr. Call Screener. Others know me as Rich Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo that is a host of a podcast and a radio show. I got a Rich Valdez show on WLIR, which is part of WABC family. I have This is America. I try to spend as much time as I can on a microphone because I love this stuff. And I do it not because I think I'm great at it. Not at all. Actually, I'm probably my biggest critic. And we can get into that stuff later. But it's just a craft that I really admire and I work hard to be good at if I can be. And I'm not quite there, but thank you for putting up with me. Our telephone number is 877-381-3811, We talked about a lot of different things tonight. We talked about Trump blasting the COVID bill as a disgrace. And he had a lot of other things to say as well. Then we talked a little bit about what's going on with the nastiness in Washington and what's up with the swampiness. And I want to talk about the Democrats now. Because Democrats, not only are they using these uh, draconian tactics to stifle small business, but they also are kind of stepping over each other, blaming themselves. About a month ago, there was a bunch of them that uh, responded to the question, why didn't we gain more from Hispanic or Latino minority voters with the 2020 election? Because Trump, Trump did really, really well. But before I get into that, I want you to hear them kind of talking over one another, just really going out of their way to explain why they didn't do better, why defunding the police was a terrible idea. Because guess what? It turns out that blacks and Hispanics, or like they like to say black and brown, we don't like living in the hood and we don't like living in neighborhoods that are ravaged by crime with people burning buildings down. All of that stuff. So all that being said, this is a series of Democrats from AOC to Pramila Jayapal to um, Jim Clyburn and others. And you're going to recognize their voices because they're so distinct. But listen to this. Some of the, the arguments that are being advanced that defund the police hurt or that arguments about socialism hurt. Not a single... Not a single member of Congress that I'm aware of campaigned on socialism or defunding the police in this general election. Every single swing seat member that co-sponsored Medicare for All won their re-election. We need to be far clearer in what we're for so that people know what they're voting for. Just because it makes a good headline, it sometimes destroys Ed Wick. We had to get out of that defund the police uh, the, the Green New Deal. When you're talking about basically Green New Deal and all this socialism, that's not who we are as a Democratic Party. But yet we've been tagged. If you have a D by your name, you must be for all the crazy stuff, and I'm not. We just have to be very careful about pointing figures, fingers in any direction because the country is divided. Now, if we say from anywhere in the party that progressives are the reason for losses in these Democratic districts, some of these Democratic districts, I fear we will lose people for a generation. You've got to govern from the center. We want to move toward the progressive agenda, of course. Expanding the opportunity for health care is a good example of that. But are we going to move straight into Medicare for all? Of course not. None of us can be judgmental. Uh, we need to look at the number of people that voted for President Trump and why. Using frank terms like defund the police have led to Democratic losses in, in this last year. Nobody I know 
who's running for office, talks about defunding the police. What we talk about is making police officers accountable. Do you accept any responsibility for the loss of housing? I think we start the credit for winning a majority and So there you have it. Can't get out of each other's way saying, oh, my gosh, you know, everything that we literally fought for, right? They fought for every one of those policies. They fought for the Green New Deal. They fought to defund the police. Joe Biden was walking around. Are they burning down? I got hairy legs. I didn't know they were burning down. But what's an Antifa? You know, I mean, it was just beyond belief the way they ignored things as this city was this city, New York, all of them. I mean, you think of all these big cities, Kenosha, Wisconsin. You saw these riots in L.A. You saw them all over the place. Cities all across America, 13, 14, about 15 cities that they just hammered them hard. Portland, Seattle. We saw all of that happen on the Democrat side. And now they want to, you know, oh, well, tap dance around the issue. Now, again, that's typical politics, but it's not typical politics to burn down federal court buildings. It's not typical politics to watch a retired Police Captain Lieutenant David Dorn bleed out on a Facebook Live video. That is a disgrace. Not a disgrace in politics. It's a disgrace to humanity. Where is the virtue? The one guy's telling him, don't die, OG, don't die. I mean, I'm sure those of you who follow this stuff, you remember it. And for those of you who don't, you're going to be really shocked when you see that video of that man literally bleeding to death, and they continue to videotape it, saying, hold on, hold on. That happened. That alone was enough for me, but there was more. There were so many people that lost their lives as a result of their abdication of their own responsibilities, of not stepping up. They want to criticize Trump, and they want to say, oh, because he doesn't call off the Proud Boys, do this and do that. Meanwhile, there's no body count for the Trumpers. There's no body count. But for the Democrats, there's a trail of bodies. And some survivors like Steve Scalise. So I don't buy it when they sit here and they talk about they're the peaceful party, peaceful protest. BS. Bravo Sierra. No, sir. No, senor. That's not real. And you have to call it out. Now, I'll tell you what was real. President Trump's Hispanic Prosperity Initiative. That was a success. Now, of course, in full disclosure, A, I am an American of Puerto Rican heritage. Big shout out to all of my Boricuas and Latinos out there that are listening right now. And B, I am an advisor to President Trump's National Diversity Coalition, led by Dr. Daryl Scott and Bruce Lavelle, who do a terrific job, by the way, of keeping the president's achievements front and center in the media. And irrespective of that, Whether it's the president's platinum plan or the Hispanic Prosperity Initiative, more minorities voted for Trump than any other Republican since 1960. Big gains. So it comes as no surprise when the Washington Post ran this headline yesterday. And I believe yesterday... The headline was, Democrats see grim prospects in final election results despite Biden's win. I read it yesterday, but I printed it today, and it has a different, uh, has a different headline. Anyway, <laughs> this is December 21, Washington Post, Michael Scherer. And I'm going to read a little bit of it to you because I think it's, it's very uh, 
It's a come-to-Jesus moment, as they say. Voters in the once democratic Ohio County that surrounds the shuttered Lordstown General Motors plant, yada, yada, that's not the good part. Here's the better part. In the heavily Hispanic South Bronx, the liberal, the liberal sanctum of San Francisco and the immigrant-rich neighborhoods of Miami, President Trump also shrank the Democrats' margins by drawing thousands more to his side. He even swept the 31 Iowa counties that voted twice for Barack Obama before choosing Trump in 2016. Ultimately, in my opinion, this is why we're having the problems that we have. Because even the Democrats in Washington Post, or maybe he's a progressive, right? Maybe he's one of those anti-Pelosi progressives like AOC that says, you know what, we got to take these people out. But even they, they recognize that we've got a huge problem here. El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. El Presidente. He won, what was it, 81% of counties across America? Now, this has nothing to do with Hispanics, black and brown, black and brown. Most of us don't live our lives through the lens of racism. We live our lives to live our lives. We live our lives for the things that matter. The things that matter to you and the things that matter to me, usually it's the same thing, right? We care about having a career where we do something rewarding so we can make some money and provide for who? For our family. Whether that's an elderly parent that needs your support, whether it's a teenage daughter, son, child, little kids, seven years old, five years old, whatever. We're talking about family. That's what people care about. People care about faith. They care about family. And of course, they care about freedom. I mean, this is what I do. I do what I do because I love this stuff. But make no mistake, along with loving broadcasting and loving politics and loving the radio, I love my daughters. They mean the world to me. What good dad doesn't love their children? What good patriot doesn't love their country? And what good caller doesn't love to call the Mark Levin Show? 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to jump into a call because I'll keep talking and then we won't get to any calls. And I know that's frustrating. So let's go to caller five. Let's go to Mike in Michigan. Mike, what's on your mind? You're on with Rich Valdez. Good Welcome. evening, Mr. Valdez. How are you, sir? We've, we've oh, it's my buddy times, Mike. My friend and How are you? I'm doing absolutely spectacular. Um, I'm that Mike from Michigan that we've uh, mentioned before. Uh, the the land of, uh, I guess, uh, well, blue, but it really should be red uh, based on the way the the votes were counted, I guess. Um, hey, I tell you what, though, I love our president. I love what he's done for this country and this republic and the 80 million-plus people that voted for him. He is a patriot like no other. And then uh, Mr. Levin and you and your staff and all the others who promote what uh, what this country really stands for, what our president stands for, uh, unbelievable. Thank you for everything you guys do. Thank um, you. One of the things I wanted to mention uh, was um, the, the state of Michigan, our secretary of state, our governor, and our Michigan's attorney general really, uh, really can't accept the fact that Mr. Trump really won here in Michigan. We would have had a wonderful, also, a senator, uh, John James, who lost out because of this foul play. And uh, 
Now our attorney general here in Michigan is going to uh, take legal action against attorneys who are going to be uh, standing up for the rights of the people and uh, take them to the Michigan bar so they could lose their their licenses. Action has to uh, be taken. Law. Uh, That is foul in itself. Unbelievable. Well, Mike, thank you. You are a patriot, and I appreciate the update from Michigan. You're right. If people are doing the wrong thing, if people are, you know, turning a blind eye and they have a professional license, listen, we've got to go after everybody. The law only matters when it has some teeth. The minute it doesn't have teeth anymore, guess what? The minute they know you're not giving out tickets for stopping people at stop signs, nobody's stopping at a stop sign. The minute that they know that you don't give out tickets for littering, everybody's going to litter. Not everybody, but some people are guided in life by the consequence, not the virtue. And that's just a real part of life. I tell my kids all the time, listen, we don't not kill people because we'll go to jail for murder. We don't kill people because it's wrong. But not everybody learns that stuff. And it was kind of what I talked about earlier with respect to ultimately where virtue comes from and the purpose of all that. So keep it locked right there. We're going to jump back into that and a couple of other things. I want to talk about Trump and the election. 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez with an S sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and I'm at Rich Valdez on all social media platforms. I'm on Rumble. I'm on Parler. I'm on all of them. So give us a follow, a check it out, a thumbs up, whatever it is that's on that. Do that for me, please. We're trying to get a message out, and we need your help. Of course, you can always follow Mark Levin Show as well, the great one, and check out the great one's podcast the podcast has been growing exponentially and it's because of you the listeners so check out the mark levin show podcast you can get that wherever podcasts are available so you're talking about the app store the apple podcast or google podcast platform and marklevinshow.com you can always catch a replay there and while you're there check out this is america with rich valdez great great show Trust me, I know a thing or two about it. I think I highly recommend it. Short, 30 minutes, three times a week. I think you're going to like it. And a lot of young people like it, believe it or not. I try to do it with my uh, daughters in mind. They're both teenagers, 15 and 19. So I try to keep it at that level so that it's kind of welcoming. Now, we were talking about lots of different topics, about how 
the Democrats are just running away and tripping over themselves because, oh, I didn't do it. No, no, because of the uh, defund the police and Green New Deal, etc. Okay, no problem. We heard that. Then we took a look at what's going on with the um, with losing these elections. And I read to you a little bit from the Washington Post. Now I want to get into some of your calls, but I want to Talk about a couple of things just quick. I want to throw them out there because we may not have time for everything. And I want to get to everything. I really do. Joe Biden saying some crazy things. Good morning. Good afternoon. It's still morning. Oh, sorry. My bad. I'm Dr. Jill's husband. I mean, just funny stuff that I really wanted to play for you. Uh, if we have a chance, I'll, I'll do it. We also have Maxine Waters, the uh, representative from California. She says that we should take Donald Trump out of the White House by his hair. Hold up. Wait a minute. Somebody called the Secret Service. Security! I, I, I can't believe that this is an actual thing, that she's that vicious in her rhetoric, in her rhetoric toward him. I mean, these are, this is a vicious thing. I don't think he's ever said anything that bad. Oh, crazy Maxie. That's about it. She could call him crazy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't balk at that, but dragging him out by his hair? No, no, no. But anyway, we're going to get into the big story from yesterday. Uh, last night was what's going on in Georgia with these elections, and one of the candidates— uh, El Reverendo, the Reverend Raphael Warnock. Apparently, uh, there's some video that I saw on Rumble and, um, you know, of him. It's police body cam video. But before we get into that, I want to grab a quick call. Let's go to Richard in Long Island. 30 seconds. Um, Rich, do you hear me? Of course. So does America. Hello? Hello? You're down to 20 seconds. Okay, we listen. I need to call attention to a critical article about election fraud that was in the Washington Post, 1864 election of Abraham oh, yeah. Lincoln. Big election. Can be used. I actually did a show on that. They used election mail-in ballot fraud. Uh, it's called Ballot Fraud. I forget the title, but check it out. This is America with Rich Valdez. We did a good job. I am Rich Valdez, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. And, you know, these liners, when you come back, this radio guy, he says, Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. I love those. And my favorite one is, 
Mark Levin, Liberty's Drill Sergeant. I like that one. You know why? Because I actually have the bat that was made by somebody, handmade. It's a big, big, like Louisville Slugger. Looks like the leg of a big table. And it says, Liberty's Drill Sergeant. And it's so cool. And it's right here in our office. So thank you to whoever made that. It's been around for a while. But I just thought that was really cool. And I wanted to share that with you. Our telephone number, 877-381-3811. Reverend Rafael Warnock, who is the uh, pastor at Martin Luther King's Old Church, gotten himself into a little bit of a problem with the popo, with the hondo, with the police. Apparently, he he tried to run over his ex-wife, or at least her foot. And the video from the police officer's body cam has been released. And I saw it last night when um, Fox News Channel had it on at 8 p.m. Tucker Carlson played it. And let me tell you, it was really interesting. He denies it quite categorically. And then... She makes a statement that is really, A, scary, and B, comes across as incredibly believable, very credible. But I want you to listen to his defense of why he tried to run her over, allegedly. Check this out. So I'm like, move, and she won't move, and she's keeping the door open. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Chloe, just stay in the car. And I move, and I close my car door, get in the car, and I start to move slightly thinking she's here clear yeah i'm thinking she's clear and i barely move Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden she's screaming that i ran over her foot i don't believe it (laughs) he don't believe i don't believe him (laughs) i think he is full of it let me tell you i i think you know in this business in any business sometimes you you come across people that are on the level you come across people that are righteous you come across people that are full of it this guy warnock strikes me as full of it. Now, listen, you can be full of it and still be effective. You know, if he, if we were hiring him to be our top salesperson, maybe I'd say, let's go with this guy. This guy Warnock looks like he's really solid dude. But when you're talking about the, the sermons that we've heard him give, when he says that we can't serve the military and serve God, and even if it was taken out of context, I think you have to exercise judgment. You have to use discernment when talking, when you're at that level. When you're the pastor of Martin Luther King's church, don't you think you should watch what comes out of your mouth? And don't you think you should not run people's foot over, especially when they're married to you or they're your ex-spouse? And now we're going to hear from the ex-spouse. Now listen to this. Her name is Olie Endoye. I hope I said that right. I don't, that's how it's spelled. She's talking with the police, March of 2020. This is not like from 100 years ago. This is from a couple of months ago. And it, she says that all Warnock cares about is his reputation. And she's tried to work with him because he's running for office. And she wants to keep it out of the press. But she can't continue to keep quiet about the way he behaves. Listen to this. 
This man's running for the United States Senate, and all he cares about right now is his reputation. I work at the mayor's office, and this is a big problem. I've been trying to be very quiet about the way that he is for the sake of my kids and his reputation. I've tried to keep the way that he acts under wraps for a long time, and today he crossed the line. So that is what is going on here, and he's a great actor. He is phenomenal at putting on a really good show. Yeah, so that's it. And again, I want to take your calls on this. I want your opinions on Reverend Rafael Warnock because, I mean, this woman's in tears. And again, listen, everything is everything. I get it. Uh, But I I can't sit here and condone that. Running somebody's foot over? Okay, if you did it by accident, don't you think she would have been like, excuse me, honey, or excuse me, Mr. Ex-Husband, or whatever it was, you just ran over my foot. But it seems like they were in a little bit of a heated debate, to put it mildly. And he's like, no, I didn't think she was there. I thought she was clear. Are you kidding? Why would she have called the cops? For what? Why would she have done that? And she was being very frank. I've tried to keep this quiet. I've tried to work with you. This, to me, is incredibly damning. Because when you're running for office, it's one thing to say that you were once a millionaire, billionaire playboy. And, you know, it's almost as if they they let you grab them by the P word. That really is a different story. Because it's old footage. It was from way back. And I'm not justifying anything. I'm just saying the facts are the facts. Donald Trump is not a preacher. And I didn't hire him to be a preacher. This guy is a preacher. Pastor of a church. I hired Trump to go to Washington to be a bull in a china shop. And I hope he breaks the swamp into a thousand pieces. People that are hiring Warnock... I doubt are hiring him to be somebody that suffers from rage. And I'm saying he does, but this may have been at the very best, somebody who doesn't have good spatial orientation when it comes to pedestrians in your vehicle and ran somebody's foot over. Now, again, that's not necessarily a reason to disqualify somebody from a Senate run, but her commentary, in my opinion, is definitely something where we'd say, you know what, if that's how you treat your spouse or your ex-spouse? Oh, boy. How are you going to treat the American people? Listen, I'm divorced. I don't really even speak to my ex-wife. You know, we have children, and that's that. I've never run her over, and she's never run me over. Now, she may want to. That's a different story. I'm just kidding. But my point is, this is serious. And she's saying that there's a pattern of behavior here. A pattern of behavior, and this is no bueno. So I want to get your thoughts on this because, listen... We uh, we can't have this type of thing. And I see there's a call here a little bit off topic, but I want to go with that because I think it's an interesting comment. Caller 3, Ken in Hickory, North Carolina. What's on your mind, brother? Yeah, I'm just uh, wondering what your thoughts are. Do you think there's going to be violence or a revolt in America? And the second question is how long do you think Biden's actually going to be in office before Mm -hmm. he gets replaced by Kami Harris? Well, I mean, Biden himself has acknowledged the fact that he did not plan on serving two terms. So, I mean, it's a safe bet to say that he wants to create a legacy for himself, probably, you know, continue to make some connections with other foreign governments, whether it's uh, Ukraine or Russia or China or whoever he wants to get money from and extort that money and have his son, the bag man, Hunter Biden, come and, uh, like Rudy Giuliani says, vacuum it all up. 
So I think that's that's clear. And I guess, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not clairvoyant, so I don't know. I think, you know, it's politics. You play it like it goes. You know, you could be all in agreement. Joe's going to be here for four years, and then maybe his health fails. Okay, then then contingency. It could be all in agreement. Joe's here for four years, and then he gets caught in something, or Hunter gets arrested, and they go, wow, he's vulnerable. Now's our time. Take him out. Move her in. I mean, it's politics. Everything is a game of opportunity. Now, with respect to violence, I'll say this. I went to sleep on November 3rd, early, uh, early in the morning on November 4th, with El Presidente, Donaldus Magnus, Donald J. Trump, the 45th President of these United States, El Trumpito. He was up in every single battleground state that I was looking at. He'd won most of the big states. We were wondering why they hadn't called some of the other states, like Alaska and and uh, I forget the other one I was looking at. But my point is, I went to sleep fully uh, confident that Trump had cinched this because my prediction, which... Um, you know, I'm kind of upset. I can't say I was right because, you know, they've m- marred the waters so badly. But my prediction was 330 electoral votes for El Presidente, Donald Trump. And what, you know, and that has yet to be revealed because of all of this craziness. My point is, if there wasn't violence then, what makes you think there's going to be violence now? We're a month and a half in. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, I punched you in the face a month ago. I'm going to respond to you two months down the road. Take care, pal. (laughs) I just don't see that being a a thing. But I appreciate your thoughts on that. And uh, let's go to Julie in California. Julie, what's on your mind? Hi, I was just wanted to comment on that um, that clip that you played about Warnock and um, his ex-wife. And I think that any woman that votes for him is voting for a man who abuses women. And it's just ridiculous. You could hear it in her voice. You can hear how upset she was and how she tried not to go to the point where she had to call the police. But I've also read something where she had called the police on him before. So hmm. um, Stacey Abrams should be not be speaking up for him at all. No women should speak up for this man. Very interesting point. And uh, coming from a woman, I'll take your word for it. I haven't been one. I don't claim to be one, and I don't identify as one. But I appreciate your call nonetheless, Julie. Thank you for your call. I appreciate that. And I'm going to go to one more, or maybe two. Let's see what we got here. Um, let's go to my man Ivan in Miramar, Florida. Used to be Ivan from Maryland. Hey, Rich. Hey, Rich I, uh, Florida now, Rich. That's right. Hey, Miramar, hey, Florida. Rich. Yeah, I'll try to talk quickly. I've got a lot to say. But I, I think the American people are, in regarding the election, the American people are not angry enough right now. And, you know, the country is on the precipice of surrendering our liberty and our country to, as Mark would say, to tyranny. Mm-hmm. And if evil people have the audacity to burn, loot, ride, and kill in broad daylight in our face, then we as citizens should have the courage to stand against the evil of a fraudulent vote and to me, this is our moment in history right now. I don't think the people who died, our heroes that died in the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, World Wars One and Two, I don't think they would stand idly by and do nothing. Rich, today, I, I have a dream. I don't think it's too late. I think the citizens across the country on January 1st, New Year's Day, when, when the country is not at work, 
then we, there's nothing more important for us to do than to go to every state capitol, every state house in the country. A half million conservatives show up in mass to try to give these electors and these senators a backbone to object to the count in the six states. And then on January 6th, we show up to pre, uh, in Washington, D.C. But on January 1st, we should show up on every state house. It's not too late, uh, Rich. And we, we need this. This is not over. And if the American people have across this country, you'll show up at state houses across this country. I think we can make a difference, Rich. You know what? Speechless. Right. And, and, and it's rare for me to have no words. But there's so little to add to that. I agree with you. And this is what I talked about before, this apathy that we've come to. It's even what Attorney General Barr said, that we've become way too tolerant of corruption. It's become such part and parcel of what we observe and what we do in our politics that we're like, you know what? Oh, yeah, that's just, you know, politicians being crooks again, because literally that's what I've said for years. And I've said, you know, that there's a handful of good guys out there, but the majority of them are in it for them, for their own pocket. And the difference that we have today is that we've got people all across the country, so many of them that are involved in politics now for only three and a half, four years because they got on what they call the Trump train. But I will call the movement of liberty that's been around for a long time. And, and Trump has become a political movement, not him, the person, but he's leading the movement as president, as the leader of the liberty movement, focusing on patriotism and bringing it back. And I don't think it's a pure populist message. I really think it's it's a patriotic message. It's where you love your country, but we still have the free markets and we want to stick up for what's right. And I'm with you, Ivan. We have to stop the apathy. We cannot be that way because you know what? Reagan taught us best with his quote, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. And that's President Ronald Reagan. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one. Mark Levin. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez filling in for the great one, and it is December 23rd. Tomorrow's the 24th, Christmas Eve. And you guys know um, my family, we are Puerto Rican Americans. And of course, we celebrate 
Noche Buena, the good night, right? Christmas Eve is, it's like midnight mass on steroids. We, we celebrate straight into Christmas morning. That's the tradition. We have roast pork shoulders and we have cafe con leche and we have coquito and all sorts of stuff like that. And you're going to enjoy it. And at least I'm going to enjoy it. And hopefully you'll enjoy your celebrations as well. Now, I get a poem every year from my buddy uh, Dom, D.G.O. Kino. And here it goes. I want you to listen to this. Twas COVID-19 when all through the year not a creature was stirring amid all the fear. The governors told us we must shut it down as if they were kings all wearing their crowns. Moms and dads were left scratching their heads while the virus and rhetoric continued to spread. The children, they said, must learn from home. But what about my friends? I feel so alone. Essential workers magically morphed into heroes, while restaurants and salons were told they had to close. The poor got poorer, while Amazon laid claim to a record of riches as merchants fell lame. And social injustice was the phrase that was in fashion. The Antifa thugs displayed little compassion. The media chimed in with their biased opinions, ranting and raving like little children. On CNN, they came the election. It was Trump versus Biden. One was out stumping, the other one was hiding. America would soon be a nation divided. As a family and friends now faithfully feuded, spirited discussions had once been the norm. Now big, tense, big tech censors, if you do not conform. Neither the left nor the right are open to reason. For cancel culture is in vogue this season. As Thanksgiving arrived... Holiday rituals drew ire from privileged politicians, blatant habitual liars. Christianity beseeched, restricting praise and prayer, while casinos stayed open, which seemed so unfair. Like the national crisis of 911, I thought we'd come together as one, but sadly we fought. So this holiday season, I solicit you, jolly old St. Nick, please find a vaccine for hatred, the other pandemic. To my fellow Americans, my Christmas wish for you... May you find peace and love again in all that you do. In a year drenched in darkness, may God be your light. Merry Christmas to all and to COVID. Good night. That's from my buddy Dom. Thank you for sending that to me. And this is what it's all about, right? We do need to move forward celebrating Christmas, celebrating the birth of the Savior, celebrating good times, which this year we're sparing, (laughs) to be frank. But that's what we have in America is we have hope. We know that with good leadership, with hard work, you can go out and you can make money. You can provide. You can have a brighter future, not the dark doom and gloom that Joe Biden and the Democrats paint. This is why we have to make sure we keep fighting for what we believe in. We have to stand by those that have stood by us. I always say on my podcast, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So do something and have a Feliz Navidad and a very Merry Christmas. I am Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all the social media. I hope we can stick uh, connect on social media. Hasta la próxima. God bless you. Thank you for letting me fill in for The Mark Levin Show. Again, Rich Valdez in for the great. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.